welcome to Accelerating Support, a podcast hosted by Kristen Barker and Chris Buttonham of Obi. Here you'll learn how industry leaders are leveraging tech, trends, and best-in-class techniques to accelerate work and enable self-service for their support organizations. Today, we were joined by Caitlin Pedersen. She is the Senior Director of Customer Support at Intercom. Intercom is the only suite of customer messaging products that drives growth at every stage of the customer lifecycle, across acquisition, engagement, and support. Today, more than 30,000 businesses use Intercom to connect with a billion people worldwide. On this episode, we discussed automated versus human support, finding efficiencies in support with support ops, and Caitlin's take on quality over speed in support. So stick around. This is going to be a great episode. Awesome. So, hey, Caitlin, uh, welcome to the podcast. We're really looking forward to the conversation today. Um, I'm not sure if you know or not, but we like to kick off each episode episode by asking our guests to define accelerating support. Sure. So, yeah, thanks a bunch for having me here. Excited to dive in. So, defining accelerating support. So, you know, a few different things come to mind for me when I think about this. Um, I guess to start, I would say thinking beyond that more traditional reactive um, kind of vision that comes to mind when we think about customer support or customer service or call centers or whatever you want to say. So just thinking beyond that sort of reactive uh, support via phone, forms, uh, or email. Um, for us and for me, when I think about, you know, accelerating support and this kind of next generation support, as, as we kind of like to call it, is you know, driving efficiencies to scale support for a growing customer base uh, and a successful business. Um, I also think a lot about like the rise of um, support operations. You know, I talk a lot about this for us having, you know, not only an army of amazing frontline team members, but and, and great managers to support them, but also having this like tactical operations team um, to be sort of a force multiplier um, I think a lot about that when I think about accelerating support. Um, and I guess I also think a lot about, um, you know, at Intercom, we've been talking a lot about the conversational support model. And this is about, again, getting out of this um, reactive mindset. And for us, it's sort of these three layers of, um, you know, proactive support, getting to your customers, helping them, uh, before maybe they even know that they need help, um, Mm -hmm. you know, surfacing the right information to them in the right place at the right time, um, bringing in automation or driving self-serve support and right. This one's an art and a science. You can swing the wrong direction. You can swing the right direction. And I think we're always trying to perfect that one. And then there's the human support and that should never go away and you should really nail that. But how do you layer in again, that sort of um, proactive self-serve and then human support. So I could, I could keep pulling this thread. I could keep going (laughs) on and on, but those are kind of the things that come to mind for me when I think about, you know, what is accelerating uh, or next generation support really look like? There's a bunch of different questions in there. I love, I love how (laughs) you, um, you know, created this overarching theme for us, but um, I'd love to touch on the often debated uh, topic <laughs> of automation versus human support. How do you guys think about that at Intercom? And is there a right percentage of of when a human interacts with a customer and when a bot interacts with a customer? How do you guys look at that from a product perspective and just internally yourselves? 
You think about it a lot. Mm -hmm. As I said, I think art and science and ever evolving, always evolving. You know, I think chatbots, automated support, bad rap. Uh, and I, I, I'm sure as you both do have my own plethora of terrible experiences mm -hmm. in the past and even still today. So it's, it's one to approach um, with curiosity for emerging technologies. It's one to approach in a really customer centric way and thinking about true customer experience. Um, yeah, there's so much on this one in terms of how we think about it. We embrace it. We build products yeah. that help people do this. Uh, so, um, I, you know, I use this phrase a lot, like next generation. I think certainly at Intercom, but industry-wide, we're seeing this next generation of automation, of artificial intelligence, machine learning, and it's really exciting and it's smart and good. And it's all the things that sort of the bots and automation of the past uh, weren't, but they're by no means perfect. So, um I guess from a product perspective, as well as how we're implementing those products, a couple of guiding principles. One, um, you know, don't use a bot to do something that a human should do, right? Mm. I talked to you about that model or that funnel that right. we sort of talk about. The, you know, the humans are important and make sure that you're, you're getting the humans on the stuff that the humans are needed for and hire great, passionate people and reward them and incentivize them to do great work there. Don't try to make a bot look or act like a human when it isn't a human. I, I think it's really important. And, and we, with our own technologies, you know, it's a bot and we call it a bot. The little icon is a robot. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have it tackle that very sort of binary, um, kind of simple, um, objective questions from customers rather than say the type of stuff that would require like empathy, right? So if you're talking about something related to, I think, you know, what would be a sensitive topic, you know, maybe getting into the depths of like a refund conversation or, you know, really like deeply technical implementation of a product based on a customer's very specific use case. So mm -hmm. I think guiding principle number one, uh, don't, don't make a bot. Don't try to pretend that your bot is a human because yep. it isn't. Yep. And two, save, you know, save the empathy for the humans. We're, we're bad at lots of things, but I think we can be really good at empathy. Um, and I guess third guiding principle, you know, we don't, we don't have a specific ratio that we're aiming for, but I guess I would say that we really embrace that this should be ever evolving and improving and use a lot of humility. Like, you know, I've jumped into a bunch of escalations with customers who've said like, I didn't like this experience or that didn't feel right for me or, oh, you're going down that bad chatbot path and I'll kind of pull the thread on that. And as a support leader, I really want to understand like, what didn't you like about that? And, and we're trying to make this better all the time. So I guess third guiding principle would be humility and a commitment to step forward, step back, step sideways, recognize that this is sort of ever evolving. Interesting. Absolutely. I I really like that, like the empathy, humility. I feel like that's been kind of a common theme that we've heard from some of the guests that we've been speaking with. And I noticed that you had posted on LinkedIn that you had actually spent some time inboxing with your support team. Um, so I think that kind of goes hand in hand with that. I'd love to hear kind of what you learned from that, um, some of those key takeaways. Yes. Oh, speaking of um, humility and being humbled. <laughs> so I spent, yeah, I spent um, across sort of here in the US, you know, we have the July 4th holiday. Also just, you know, the year that um, 
that 2020 has been, you know, mm-hmm. that's a separate conversation, but it's just, you know, been such a challenging year for so many, for so many different reasons. And so uh, as a company, we really wanted to offer all of our teams inside Intercom a real break. And so we had this like summer break concept, but as our, our support friends know, letting your team just take a break for a week when you're expected to staff the inboxes or queues is really difficult to do. So without getting you know, too into the minutia of that, we were presented with this situation where we really wanted to give the support team a break as well. So we scaled right on down to um, really a skeleton crew across two weeks. Uh, and so um, I kind of set aside my day job, jumped into the, the frontline job. And um, gosh, what were some takeaways there? One, support is badass. Like, I mean, people that work in support and I just, you know, I'm really big on support has long been like pushed aside, set in the basement, outsourced. When these are brilliant writers, communicators, these are people who are able to stretch their brains across such a vast amount of information, especially in SaaS. Right. Where these, you know, this is not your typical like, hey, where's my delivery? Not to say that that isn't uh, an esteemed industry as well. But when you're doing these like deep troubleshooting and technical problem solving. So one was just, you know, hugely impressed and a a deep uh, reminded of the deep respect I have for anybody that works uh, frontline support. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess second takeaway was there is an endless opportunity to drive efficiency. And again, when I think, you know, if I were to make a t-shirt with one word for my last two years in role, it would be efficiency. Like (laughs) there's so much opportunity to drive efficiency through automation, through um, workflow improvements, through knowledge base enhancements, you know, Um, so I just kept this running dock where every time I was in a conversation, I was like, this this is inefficient or it feels like I'm moving a rock from one pile to the next. And I would just like, I just had this like really messy list of notes uh, and the other leaders on our team kind of added to it and we cleaned it up and we sort of built this hit list of, um, you know, why do we have so many conversations coming in that are people dropping an emoji and saying like, what's up? <laughs> let's get rid of those. Let's, <laughs> let's use a bot for those, right? That doesn't need a human. So yeah, I could go on. Um, I mean, but just so impressed with the team. I learned so much about our own technology and products. So I would encourage all support leaders. And I mean, we have like a, a program called CS sessions or customer days. I know a lot of different companies do these in different ways, but you know, getting in the inbox, the queue and talking to your customers mm-hmm. um, is just so important and, and, and very, very valuable. That's awesome. It's sort of, uh, we're seeing a trend in some of the, we've been really fortunate to have conversations <laughs> with some amazing support leaders. And um, I've had conversations with a lot of people outside of support and I'm, I'm starting to learn how amazing leaders in support are specifically. And I think it's because of the subject matter um, of the level of leadership that has to come. So I'd love to for, to hear a little bit more about you. You alluded to this sort of support operations function um, that you guys are thinking a lot about at Intercom. I'd love for you to to double click on what that means to you guys. What does that entail in terms of the operations side of your support? Sure. So I think when a, you know when a support team, you know, you've got support team member number one, and they're jumping in and they're talking to customers like that's not the time when you hire a support operations person. This is really when you start to hit like critical mass. 
and your volume is growing and your customer base is growing and you're starting to feel the heat there. And that's a good problem to have because it's a sign of success of the business. When that starts to happen uh, and things are really accelerating, I think that's when you want to start thinking about hiring your first support ops hire and then expanding from there. So for us, a few years ago, this was taking someone who worked uh, as a frontline support rep. Uh, I couldn't live without him. Uh, his name is Ryan. He's on our team and he, and he knew our customers better than anyone. He knew our product better than anyone. And he had a flair for um, analytics and reporting and analysis. And, uh, you know, hire number one, you sort of want to be that Swiss army knife, someone who's got all that context, who can really start to help you identify those efficiency gains and start to move on them, right? And level up your reporting and your analytics to provide you insights. So I, I always think about with like ops teams, there's like the proactive and the reactive element, right? So what needs to be built that isn't built yet that they can help you build and do? Mm -hmm. And then on the proactive side, you know, how can they start to surface insights and ideas and come to you, CS leaders, with suggestions about, you know, road mapping your upcoming quarter. Here's two to five changes I think we should make that are going to help us achieve these outcomes or drive these metrics in the, the right direction. Um, also hugely helpful for anyone that's looking to build or improve their um, KPI system um, at both like an individual and team level. So, I guess what has been particularly exciting for me in the support ops space though in the last few years, so that was kind of chapter number one, you know, chapter number two for us has been growing that team, but specializing folks. So on our team, support ops team, we have someone who really focuses on sort of the project management element. You know, she drives our roadmap. She helps us form our quarterly and annual goals and targets. And she kind of, you know, weaves everything together to make sure that we're not just coming in day after day reacting to the work that's put in front of us. We're setting these ambitious initiatives and targets and she's really helping us move those along. Um, and there's a whole tool set there, of course, to support that. And then, you know, most recently speaking of automation, again, we promoted internally and that's what I love about support ops too. I'm huge on career pathing. You know, there are a select few number of people I think that are just true support folks for life, mm -hmm. but a lot of people, this is a great stepping stone into another area of the business. And right. so, we promoted someone who was a technical member of our team. We had sort of grabbed all the low hanging fruit that we could with um, automation, but we, we saw that there was so much opportunity, but we weren't gonna get there and just kind of ad hoc tackling projects here and there. So we promoted someone into a role to focus very specifically on increasing, we call it our ROAR, <laughs> everyone tech loves their acronyms, our rate of automated resolution. Um, to help us accelerate our use of um, custom bots. Um, so for me, this, this most recent chapter has been about support ops specialization, again, to really take this great progress we had and just, you know, spike it up into the right. That's really cool. I'd actually love to hear a little bit more about the ROAR, the reset rate of automated responses. Is that? Automated resolution, yeah. At first it was... Automated rate of resolution, which was ARR, which yeah. created a, a whole <laughs> bag of confusion. Yeah. So I can't take credit. I think it was our COO who was like, you're going to need to change that acronym. And uh, ROAR has been great because, you know, um, as you can imagine, just a whole uh, variety of like gifts yeah. and jokes yeah. uh, in, internally, which, you know, all jokes aside, if, you know, it can be tough to get people hyped on automation. Sure. I think that's cool. Some, you know, people, 
people on your team start to feel like, does this mean I'm not going to have a job? And we're like, yeah. absolutely not. This is going to help you do your job better and stop you from having to have the was up conversations. You can focus <laughs> on like the high value stuff. Um, so side note on the acronym, we're big, big fans of Aurora rate of automated resolution. So, you know, at Intercom, we have a product uh, called Resolution Bot. And this is a bot that serves up answers to common questions. And actually, um, when this product was being built, we were a little skeptical that it would actually be as useful to us as it was going to be to our customers, mm -hmm. because we have a, a broad set of products mm -hmm. and we're working with marketers, salespeople and support people. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we were, we were just not super confident that our product was going to be able to, um, because again, you, you don't want to piss people off with automation, yep. right? You don't want to serve up a bunch of answers to people. And they're like, nope, that's not what I'm looking for. Nope, not what I'm looking for. Now I'm annoyed and I have to wait for a human. I'm extra annoyed. Bad CSAT score. So, uh, but, you know, we were delightfully proven wrong. The the technology, and I don't, you know, mean to, to pitch too much here, no. but it's been a product that's just worked uh, far better for us than even we anticipated, uh, in addition to our customers where like, you can imagine a bank, you know, the, the, the variety of questions are a little bit more straightforward versus the different products we have in the different use cases and profiles. But, um, so yeah, with Roar, we started using this product and we grabbed all the low hanging fruit, as I said, and we built answers for how do I reset my password? How do I add a teammate? Where do I access onboarding material? Um, and we hit, I forget what it was. I think we hit a ceiling of like 3% rate of automated resolution. So we had like, you know, 15,000 conversations a month. Um, about 0.5% of those were being automatically resolved by our operator, our bot that suggests articles from right. our help center to yep. customers. Yep. And then we introduced the resolution bot and that bumped us up to about three and a half percent or maybe 4%. And we said, you know, this is exciting. Like, what mm. would this look like if we could get this number to 10%? Yep. Um, so, you know, it's an ever evolving, as I said, in the automation space, we, I don't know that we've cracked the nut a hundred percent, like, and, and, and I don't even have a specific target of where I want mm -hmm. to get to and then go no further because we want to move thoughtfully and incrementally, but, um, it's exciting. And I love for our team that, you know, again, we're not hundred percent there, but for the most part that, that, that they are tackling far, far fewer, questions that just don't require the brilliant brains that they have right is there a tech stack internally that you uh you as from an operation standpoint are giving to your support people to support intercom customers outside oh, of intercom? absolutely yeah absolutely so we obviously i never liked the dog food phrase so i say drink our own champagne yeah. i like that one better <laughs> so we you know we use intercom you know, and it's fun because we're a support team and intercom, you know, is known for a variety of use cases, mm -hmm. the support use case being one of them. Mm -hmm. um, and that creates a fun feedback cycle to our product team. Mm -hmm. But uh, I mean, our, you know, some of the products that are just so important to us, I mean, our uh, internal knowledge base. So we use intercom articles externally mm -hmm. for our customers. But internally, I mean, we're big, I, you can hear me on other podcasts talk about it. We're super fans of Guru mm -hmm. as a internal knowledge base. Um, we're heavy Slack users mm -hmm. who isn't now more than ever yeah. working remotely. Um, you know, I think onboarding and learning is huge, you know, uh, in a support organization, whether you're centralized or dispersed. Um, I think just so important to 
continue to evolve and improve your onboarding and ongoing and training. And so we use um, WorkRamp, which yep. is a product um, that helps us do that. Um, big fans of, you know, the ones to me that feel like Harry Potter magic, like uh, Zapier <laughs> and, and others. Um, so yeah, we've, you know, we've, we've got a robust tech stack that we're, uh, that we're using, I guess, most recently we're onboarding, um, or implementing, I should say a workforce management tool to really help us up level our scheduling. I mean, anyone that's worked in support leadership knows what it feels like to work out of spreadsheets mm -hmm. and Google sheets to who's in what queue or inbox at what time and where. So we're really excited, um, about that. Um, I could go on, but those are the ones that, that come to mind for me, but you know, you're, I think you're kind of only ever as good as your tech stack and your tech stack should be kind of ever evolving and improving. One of my greatest grievances is spending a lot of money on a product and not getting maximum usage out of it. So I'm a big fan of leveraging your CSM. I'm a, you know, at that, at that, at that company, yep. um, big fan of, um, you know, circling back six, 12, 24 months after implementation to make sure it's still, uh, doing what you want to do. Asana mm -hmm. is another big one for us that our project manager uses. So awesome. Now, if you were to have a conversation with a budding support leader, who's, you know, in a company that's in that sort of hyper growth stage, how would you, um, or where do you hang out? on the interwebs to learn mm -hmm. all of the things that are, are driving, you know, your own support leadership or what uh, things could you point them in the right direction towards to level up their support game? Yeah, this one's sort of my, um, I was gonna say guilty pleasure. That's the wrong phrase, like <laughs> dirty little secret. Like, <laughs> I am not one to go big on, uh, books mm -hmm. and things like that. My uh, number one most valuable resource is talking to other support leaders time and time again. And I'll have a new quarter and I'll make a personal commit. And I'm, I'm like, I'm going to read an article a day. <laughs> and, um, you know, and, and those things are helpful and useful. And I'm a, we're big fans of creating great content. Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of consuming content. I love being part of content creation as we are here. But for me, like the true gold has been meeting and leaning into a network of other support leaders. I just had an email pop up in my inbox this week from, you know, I was on a, um, you know, a very casual call four or five months ago that was, you know, a handful of support leaders. And we just kind of kept this email thread going where we'll pop in a question or two and get people's take on it. I think something that I found to be challenging in support um, unlike say sales or, or like finance metrics, I think it can be sort of challenging to find really reliable next generation support benchmarks. Mm -hmm. What is a good and healthy cost per contact? What is a good and healthy, like, you know, how big should your support team be in relation to the broader company? Um, you know, I, I, you know, there's some stuff out there, but I think that's a big opportunity. So um, I like having those conversations with people at other companies. I guess beyond that, I'm a big podcast person. I, you know, I love, you know, whether it's formally commuting now, just <laughs> hanging out with the, the puppy or going to the grocery store. Um, so podcasts for me is a big one. Something else that was sort of a surprisingly helpful resource to me was, I did forget how I signed up for this, but there is a great VC firm um, that we had done some co-marketing with 
And through that, I ended up being signed up for their newsletter. And I just found that to be so helpful. So I know not all VC firms specialize in, you know, early stage support right. products and companies, yeah. but I think if you can get out there, you know, people that are actually doing the work with these companies and have those types of insights, that was really helpful for me as well. But, you know, I know networking can be like cringy and hard, especially when we're all, you know, isolating, but finding a way to build and tap into a support leader network will be, um, enjoyable, helpful, cathartic. I just big, big fan of that. Awesome. Uh, Kristen, do you have any last minute, uh, Question. Yeah. So you talked a little bit earlier about driving efficiencies and being able to identify some inefficiencies while spending time with your team and that sort of thing. I was just genuinely curious if um, over that time you've kind of uncovered something that's been very common that you've seen, like your time at Yelp, your time at Intercom, or mm. just kind of the most common inefficiency that people should be on the lookout for. Interesting. That's a great question. Mm-hmm. Um I guess because I've referenced it here, there's a lot of low value exchanges that happen mm-hmm. between customers and your team and probably more than you think there are. Because if you have a brilliant team that loves being productive and getting stuff done, they're going to hit a conversation or ticket like that. And they're just going to solve it and they're going to move on to the next. Mm-hmm. And so I've really tried to, and it's continual, like on a quarterly basis, I'm like, Hey everyone, my quarterly reminder, if you're ever doing anything that feels like, Hey, you know, my brain, this isn't required here, add it to this form or flag it to your manager. So I think those low value exchanges, some of it spam, some of it just be like questions that don't require humans. I would say that's, um, certainly one of them. Let me think another efficiency gain, I guess, and this is kind of opening up a whole another can of worms, maybe for a second conversation, but I think there's this belief that faster is better. And I think faster is great and faster is good. And as a customer, I like fast support, right? Mm-hmm. But faster isn't always what's right for your business for every single customer. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I think that could be an uncomfortable message that some people don't love, but you know, we did a first response time uh, AD test uh, about a year and some change ago and really found that if we nailed subsequent response time or next reply time, and we really had great quality interactions with people, if their first response time was, um, I forget what it was exactly, but it was something like, you know, two hours versus one day, there was real no statistically significant impact on CSAT. Mm-hmm. Um And we're using CSAT as a leading indicator of retention. And so I think that's really important to think about as well as a scaling or hyper growth business. You know, you have to very quickly go from one size fits all above and beyond delight every single customer, which is smart to do in your early stages to that more like scale up mentality, which is, you know, segmentation. How are you segmenting and specializing your team? How are you segmenting your customer base? Mm -hmm. So in terms of an efficiency gain, we had to get to this place where it's like, we're intercom. We care about being personal, personal equals fast. And it's like personal can't equal fast anymore for every single person. So how do we start to split that up and how do we do it with humility and thoughtfulness and care? Um, So I think a lot of support leaders see it coming and are like, ah, it's it's hard to figure out. A lot of companies get it wrong and they can because they're big and they can afford to be jerks. A lot of companies really want to get it right 
it's hard to get it right, you know? Um, so I guess that would be the second one I would share would just be there's gold in them hills. There's an efficiency gain there. Um, and don't, don't fight it, lean into it and identify what are your trade-offs and, um, you know, where can you slow down while still for the most part, nailing a really fantastic experience for your customers. Right. Absolutely. Cool. So, I mean, I guess that kind of gives me one more question. Um, what metrics are you tracking? So I know you said CSAT is kind of like your main customer satisfaction metric, but um, are you guys doing like time to resolution? What kind of stuff are you keeping track of? Certainly. So we kind of bucket, I guess we have three buckets. One is individual performance, right? Mm -hmm. So polls per hour, whatever you want to call it. How are you tracking an individual or teammates mm -hmm. um, productivity? And then CSAT, what is mm -hmm. their quality? Interestingly enough, and we've not made any big decisions on this yet, but CSAT's been a little tricky for us at the individual level because sometimes someone will get a bad CSAT. It's like, you know, loved Caitlin, but like that feature request <laughs> or, you know, you made me wait. Yeah. <laughs> Caitlin's now making me wait three hours. And I didn't <laughs> like that, but her experience was fantastic. So, you know, CSAT can be an imperfect metric for a few reasons, but we found it to be a pretty emotionally charged one at the IC level. And so we're doing some early exploration around like, might we move to like a quality score mm. using like internal QA. So, you know, watch this space there. But so bucket number one is that individual Bucket number two is at the team level, you know, so at a team level, we also look at CSAT and that's really the, you know, and I think that's a more exciting space for CSAT because it can unify your whole team, regardless of role specialization around like, let's nail, you know, we've got like a team bonus tied to that on a quarterly basis. How do we nail CSAT? And it's kind of all in warts and all we bring in a margin of error. We keep it, you know, competitive, but achievable. Mm -hmm. Um, and then first response time, of course, um, we have evolved our thinking again from faster is better and first response time to like nail expectation setting up front, offer up mm. a few resources, mm -hmm. make them good, right? Don't piss off your customer by just spoon feeding them a bunch of stuff they don't need. Mm. Um, but then once you've got them and you're there, especially if you're in chat, like nail that back and forth time. So mm -hmm. that's that next response time or subsequent response time. Mm -hmm. um, and then I guess stepping away from the team, and I touched on this earlier, you know, every support leader, you know, is accountable to the business for cost, right? So are you becoming inflated in terms of like, you're just hiring right alongside your customer growth. And then you become a really expensive support team. And maybe for some businesses, that's okay. May, you know, some need to be leaner than others for a variety of mm -hmm. reasons, but you know, again, what's your cost per conversation? Um, what's, you know, and um, another one we've looked at is cost per combo team size in relation to the broader company. That's sort of an evolving space for us too. And that's one of my favorite things to talk about with other support leaders is how are you thinking about, you know, if, you're, if your intention is to go public or have some sort of liquidity event, you know, you're part of COGS, you have an impact on gross margin. What are you doing to drive, you know, positive movement while still maintaining an excellent experience for your customers and your team? <laughs> I had just an interesting um, thought when, uh, as you were talking, um, and particularly just because of the, the company that Intercom is and building the tool that, that you guys are building. Is there any uh, process uh, or um, mandate internally that everyone can or, or has to do support at some life cycle within the company? 
Yeah. So we call those CS sessions. So everyone oh, okay. that joins the company, uh, we used to call them customer days. Uh, that became a full day was tough. So now we have these bite-sized sessions um, where it's a mandatory part of new hire onboarding for anyone okay. in the company. And uh, I should do and could do a better job of ensuring that, you know, once folks cross a year, they're back into a CS session. But um, yes, it is a mandatory part of, um, of onboarding, I guess, sort of related and related. Something that I love about Intercom and, and kind of just this like next wave of support, I think we're seeing in general is like putting your support team, again, they're not this like, you know, second class team, right? Putting them at the heart of the company. These people know your customers. They know your product, listen to them, talk to them, elevate them, mm -hmm. ask them questions. And so I think in addition to the CS sessions, you know, we really try to ensure that like the support voice is heard across the company. And then that will create interest in participating in things like CS sessions. And again, you know, we've got some room for improvement there outside of the onboarding experience, but um, I do think it's important. And I think it's something that every company should be doing for sure. Yeah, that, that stigma appears to be um, very common uh, for a lot of support organizations. It's, it's something that uh, Chris and I have noticed in some of the conversations we've had, but it sounds like the the modern support leaders that we're talking to are really doing a great job leading those support teams and giving them not only a voice, but putting them on a pedestal that, uh, that they deserve to be on within the organization. So I love to see that. Um, awesome. Caitlin, well, thank you so much for, for joining us today. What a, what an excellent conversation. Um, and, uh, and yeah, thanks again so much for having us and we hope that, uh, you have a good rest of your day. Yeah. yeah thanks so much, pleasure. Caitlin. Yeah, of course. And that's a wrap on another amazing episode of Accelerating Support. Huge thanks to Caitlin for making this episode happen. Now, Caitlin did mention support tech stacks, so I'd be remiss if I didn't share a little bit more about OB. OB can be your support agent's secret weapon. Did you know that support agents that have OB can quickly find knowledge-based articles and templates to common questions directly from within the existing service desk or their email client. That's right, with the OB browser extension, you can use keywords or natural language search to quickly pull up existing knowledge or documentation from wherever it lives. So start creating that self-service support process. Create that first line of defense with OB over at ob.ai slash accelerating support. Get started for free today.